we're looking at a subject throughout this year, in our centenary year, the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this evening I'd like to take a little look at the subject of Christ, the good shepherd of his sheep. And let me look at this chapter 10 and 10 in, chapter 10 in John firstly, and see it, or mainly, and see in this passage here, where the Lord Jesus Christ, he himself likens himself, or even says that he is the shepherd of the sheep. He is that good, that great shepherd. So we look at this passage as we go through John 10. We look at other passages as well as we go through, but primarily we'll be looking into John 10. And look at that verse 27 there, it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. If we look at the definition first of what a shepherd is and what a sheep is, we'll see that a shepherd is defined as one who looks after the sheep. He tends for the sheep, tends for a flock of sheep. In religious terms, it may be, this could be associated with a pastor or a person who has the oversight, who looks after the sheep. Someone who cares for the sheep. When we look at the definition of sheep, we see it refer to an animal. An animal that perhaps is a silly animal. An animal that tends to follow others, who's easily led astray and led in wrong paths. Two definitions. So if you look at these two definitions, we see also that they so easily apply to the Lord Jesus Christ and who is that great shepherd of sheep, who guides and oversees his flock and also to the flock too. We see how the sheep very much, very much applies to God's own people. We are those who are tried. We're those who are tempted. We're those who pulled apart. We're those who quite often walk away from walking, walking in right paths. And like the lost sheep, we need the shepherd to seek us out, to find us, and to bring us back into the fold. There are in the Bible, perhaps we read through the Bible, and we see many instances where the analogy of the sheep and the shepherd is likened to the people of God and to the great shepherd of the sheep, the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether that be to Israel in particular, or to the Christians, the church in general. And many of the Old Testament types, they point to that, do they not? We'll have a look at that as we go through as well. They point to that analogy of the shepherd and the sheep. But the first thing I'd like to look at is, we think about, is the false sheep. The false sheep. When we think of sheep, we have to consider that there are those who are not sheep. The Bible speaks, is not quite plainly, about there being false sheep. Jesus spoke about it in the Sermon on the Mount when he preached that sermon. He spoke in Matthew chapter 7 and about false sheep. Those who come in pretending to be what they actually aren't. Verse 15, Matthew chapter 7 and the verse 15. He says there, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. And so he goes on there. And verse 20 says, Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. He has been speaking this passage to the crowds about how to enter in at the right gate, at the straight gate, the narrow way. And not to be found walking with the crowds on the broad way and going in by the wide gates. He then comes to those to speak about those who point to the broad way and they are the false prophets. He speaks about them as looking like sheep. They have sheep's clothing. And so to all intents and purposes, they look like the right thing. They look like 
they are a sheep. But then he says that inwardly they are ravening wolves. They are those that by very nature seek to destroy the people of God. Seek to destroy the sheep of God. And to scatter them. And to cause all manner of problems. We can look back. It's perhaps often we do. And we can see many, many times how this has happened. How it's been so true. False prophets coming through the church. And leading silly sheep away in all manner of diversions. How often we can rise up in judgment and blame people for being led away. Perhaps we ought to blame the sheep. For sheep are sea animals. And easily they get scattered and led astray. Paul speaks about this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Where he mentions this sort of subject about being led away and being deceived. He writes to young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 1 to 9. This, also, this note also that in the last times, per, last days, perilous times shall come. And he goes on down there and he speaks in one of those verses there. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with diverse manners. Verse 5. Having a former godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. And we can look through the whole chapter and we can see really, can we not see the exhortation of Paul of not how not to fall into such a trap. But he says it does not. This is specifically in the last days. Those perilous times will come. And there will be those who will come into the church. They will have that form of godliness. But they will deny the power thereof. They will not have the power thereof. And they will lead away those who are not firmly grounded in the truth that Paul speaks about as he comes down further in that chapter. As he speaks to young Timothy. He speaks in those verses 16 and 17, doesn't it? All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, fully furnished unto all good works. How this behoves us? We don't know when the last days are. There's many people in times gone by who believe they live in the last days. But how it behoves us to be careful, to weigh up every doctrine, to weigh up, to examine everything and see how it stands in the light of God's word. Jesus said not, by their fruits you will know them. We should try everything, like those Bereans of old, whether it be sound doctrine or false doctrine. And do as Paul says, to continue in the things that we have learned of the scriptures. For it is those that teach us, those that lead us, those that guide us. So my friend, beware of false sheep, of those wolves in sheep's clothing, lest you be pulled aside in any form of doctrine and taken away from Christ, taken away from that great shepherd of the sheep. Peter in his epistle, he also has warnings of this very nature. 2 Peter chapter 2. And he says there in verse 1, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable perishes, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction, and many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be even spoken of. And so Paul does it, Peter there, he too warns us to be careful, to beware, lest we be pulled aside by their damnable heresies. So we thought about the false sheep. I next want to think about the found sheep. The found sheep. And here we turn, it's a well-known passage, Matthew 18 or Luke 15, but we turn to Luke chapter 15. And there we see the passage we not that is quite well known. It's a story of the lost sheep. The story of the lost sheep. Sheep that was lost and it was found again. In this passage, do we not? We read of how the shepherd realised that one of his flock 
was missing. It was not with the rest of the sheep and was not in the fold. And how this shows us that great picture of the work of redemption, doesn't it, of God. That God, or more specifically, the Lord Jesus Christ, has done in and for mankind. We see the sheep, it was truly lost. It was nowhere to be seen or to be heard. And was certainly far away, far, far away from the fold of God. Because of the fall of Adam, that fell upon all mankind, we are lost. We are all lost. Far, far from the fold of God. David tells you in Psalm 51, so vividly, we're born in sin, we're shapen in iniquity, we are lost. There is no description for it. Lost and far from God. Yet God in his wisdom knew that. He saw that. And he fashioned, he made that plan of redemption to bring us back to the fold. A way to be saved. A way to be found. So once, yes, lost sheep, we are now found. And found in Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. This plan of redemption, what was it? It was that Jesus left the fold of heaven, as it were, and came into the dark wilderness of this world to seek out his sheep. He came to seek. He came to save that which was lost. He came to save sinners. His name was Jesus. He came to save his people from their sins. This is what it meant. We can consider the parable told and how the Middle Eastern shepherd left the shelter of the fold. He left the safety of the fold and went into the wild, wild wilderness where there were many, many dangers. But one thing, one thing on his mind was to find and to rescue the lost sheep. So too Jesus. He left the glory of heaven. He left the very presence of the Father. He left the adoration of angels. And he came to this world to be despised and rejected. He knew the dangers, he knew the perils. And yet the one thing on his mind was all those that the Father gave unto him, he would save. He would do the will of the Father. He would not lose one. He would not lose one. He went and he found them all. What a blessing it is to be those found sheep to be sought for. We did not know where or how to find him. We had wandered far, far from the fold. And yet in mercy, and yet in love, he came and found us. He not only found us, he laid us each on his shoulders, so that our ear was right next to his mouth, and he carried us home rejoicing, speaking to us all the way home, those words of comfort, those words of strength. Have you been found by the Saviour? We are all by nature lost and far from God. We have run, run so far, far away from him, and far from the fold, friends, stop running. Stop running from Christ and be found the Saviour, even this day, and be carried home on his shoulders, where there will be great rejoicing. And hear his voice. Hear that soft, soft voice. So we thought of the false sheep. We thought of the found sheep. And then we come to our passage read right and read John 10. Those three definitions we see there in John 10. And then I want to think of the forgiven sheep. The forgiven sheep. First off there, we see that portion there that Christ is shepherd and he came to save his sheep. We come down to verse 27 and there we read we know, those three characteristics. The first one we see is they hear his voice. They listen to the voice of the Saviour. We thought this a few moments ago and how the Saviour speaks to the sheep as he bears them on his shoulder, carries them home. They firstly hear, do they not, those sweet words of forgiveness and now forgiven. And how we see this through the scripture all the scripture. We are taught that Christ is the incarnate word. 
that he is God. And he took on himself human flesh. We speak of Christmas time, being the time of the incarnation. But we also talk that God spoke in times past by the prophets. We read that in Hebrews 1, and the opening, in the opening verses there. But it also says that he, God, has spoken to us in his last days by his Son. He is God's, as it were, last message to this world. He is the Word of God. And the hymn put it so rightly, he says, The written word, the scriptures, and the incarnate word, the Lord Jesus Christ, in all things are the same. They are God's message. God's revelation to mankind. Vernon Hyam wrote in his songs, Have you heard the voice of Jesus? And how he speaks to us even this day. And how we should be so thankful for those first words he ever spoke unto us, really. Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Jesus calls his people unto him with that irresistible voice that calls us, that draws us into his bosom and tells us whilst we're here on earth, thy sins are forgiven. We are coming to the Easter period, are we not? The time of the year when the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ is very much on a lot of people's minds. And it was there at Calvary, he cried that great cry, it is finished. That great work of redemption that we have already spoken about was completed and it was finished. He had paid the price that God demanded for the redemption of his people. As this chapter says in a number of places, he gave his life for the sheep. He laid it down. No man took it from him. No man took it from him. He laid it down of himself. But there's also that security that's found in Jesus. Yes, listening to his voice, we hear the sweet words of forgiveness that he speaks. But in verse 8 of this passage, we see, do we not, that we who are true to the Lord's will not be taken away. Once forgiven, that's not verse 8. I can't think what it is, not verse 8. No, it's not there, verse 18. Verse 28, there they are, verse 28. No man shall pluck them out of my hand. Those who are true lords cannot be taken away. Once forgiven, we are forgiven for all eternity. We shall never be plucked away from our Saviour, from the shepherd. The Saviour taught in Matthew 24 about the tribulation that should come in those last days. Matthew 24 and verse 24. He says there, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. He talked about those false prophets, those false Christs, we've really spoken about really, they would teach error, and they would try to deceive the true sheep. But Christ gives that firm affirmation that it's not possible. Once in him, in him forever. And so it is in verse 8 he says there, that thieves and robbers came in to take. Thieves and robbers came in to take. But the sheep, the voice of those, the sheep will not hear. They do not speak those words of forgiveness. They do not speak those words of grace. No, the thieves and the robbers, they come in. And the sheep don't hear them. They don't hear those words of deceit, those words of death. How sweet then to hear his voice. Hear that sweet voice of forgiveness. And be one of those forgiven, forgiven sheep. We next come down and we see something else about these sheep that we're not in that verse 27. It says there, and I know them. And here we talk about the familiar sheep. Those who are familiar. It is one thing to hear the voice of Jesus. That is a blessing indeed. 
But how sweet he is to know of his assurance that he says of us, I know them. I know them. We are so immersed in his thought process that he can say of us that he knows all about us. He truly knows us. He knows our thoughts. He knows the very intents of our hearts. And that alone should cause us to seek to be obedient to his laws, his ways, and to listen to his voice, to hear what he has to say. But the real blessing is that he knows all that we have need of. We are truly known of him and by him. What a contrast this is to the words that the Saviour said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 23. We thought about Matthew 7 already, haven't we? Matthew chapter 7 and verse 23. And he says there, And then will I profess unto them, I never, never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And Matthew 25, we thought about this last, last month when we talked about the virgins. Matthew 25 and the verse 12. And there the Saviour says there, But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. I know you not. Here we see in the judgment of the Lord, as he said to those who professed to be among the Lord's people, he knew them not. We thought it was last month. How those five virgins, they had no oil. As they came to the gate, they received that verdict. I know you not. What a solemn, what a sad situation to be in. To be those that are not known of the Saviour. It therefore behoves us to be those who examine ourselves. To be those who make sure that we are really amongst the Lord's people. As Peter so earnestly exalts us in his epistle, examine ourselves, that we really be in the faith. Paul also in his writings, he's sort of those you vote to, and all believers thereafter, to be those who depart from evil. Come away from evil. Come away from wicked ways. And walk in godly ways. Walk in upright ways. If we turn to 1 Corinthians, we'll see what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and the verse 3. talks about men loving God and the same is known of him. Here we are. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. If we love God, if we truly love God, then God says the same. That person is known of him. Galatians chapter 4. In the verse 9. And he says there in Galatians, but now, after ye have known God, or rather, are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? There it talks about those who, are known, who have known God and are known of God and are seeking to turn away from the truth. How behoves us there? Paul writes us, How turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Tell us to walk in upright and good ways. Again, into 2 Timothy, writing to 2 Timothy. He says in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. How we then need to be those, known of God, known by him, to be those that depart from ways of wickedness, ways of iniquity. The knowledge that Christ has for his saints is based on a sure foundation, this word known has a deeper meaning too. It can mean he understands his sheep too. He knows all that we go through. 
He understands. He understands the sheep. He understands the temptations. He understands the hardships. And because of this, he can draw alongside each and every one of his sheep and whisper sweetly those words of comfort in their ears. And he speaks to us. We can be assured that he listens to all we have to say to him. Hebrews, the rest of the writer of the Hebrews, he says there how he was tempted in all points. Tempted in all points, like as we are, and yet without sin. Hebrews 4 and the verse 15. He's speaking about Christ there being that great high priest, that better high priest. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points, tempted like as we are, yet he was without sin. And so the writer says, let us therefore come boldly, boldly unto him, the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How it speaks there the love, the care, the feeling, the knowledge of the great shepherd. Oh, what a blessing it is to be part of the family of God, to be sons of God, joint heirs with the Saviour, and know that familiarity that we can have with him as he knows our every thought, word and deed. And all we have need of. So we truly can come boldly, boldly into his presence and speak to our Saviour. As we move on through that verse in John 10, we come to the next passage there. And we see, and they follow me. And so we see the following sheep, do we not? The following sheep. These are sheep that Christ speaks to. These are sheep that Christ has an intimate knowledge of. And these are the sheep that will follow him. These are the sheep that walk in his ways. They'll walk according to his will. We can remember, can we not, the time when the Saviour was on earth and he called his disciples and he said unto them to follow after him. They're to leave their nets. They're to leave their fishing boats. They're to leave their occupations. And they were to follow after him. They truly heard his voice. And those disciples of old, they sought to be obedient, whatever the cost. Jesus, he takes this up, does he not, in Matthew chapter 16. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, he speaks there about taking our cross and everything else. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall, will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there is some standing here which shall not taste of death till the coming of the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And how he speaks here about taking up the cross and following after, after him. Just as he left the reasons of glory to come to this sin-stained world for our salvation, so we too have that commitment to forsake all or be prepared to forsake all for him. The Saviour tells us, is not, the high cost at times. In Luke chapter 9, he spoke about his high cost. Luke chapter 9 and verse 57, down to the end there. And it talks about men who wanted to do this and do that. But in verse 62, he says there, And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plough and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Once we put our hands to the plough, 
once we've engaged ourselves in his labours, there needs to be that continual looking forward to Jesus. Not that looking back what we've given up. Not that looking back what we've lost. Not that looking back what we've forsaken. But looking to our Saviour and seeking to walk in his ways. When we turn to the book of Revelation, we see the, the visions of the aged John as he glimpsed into the future. And he saw there, he talked about it in Revelation chapter 14, and the verse 4, he says there, These are they which were not defiled women, for they were virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. These are they which follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. Those who run defiled, they have truly followed the Lamb. They are the ones who have been redeemed by his precious blood. May we, each of us, this day, be those that desire to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, to walk in his ways, to follow him, to know his leading, to know the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, who has been sent to be our instructor, and be those who walk in his ways. Because walking in his ways, we are truly known of him. And walking in his ways, we will hear his voice. But last in this passage here, I want to talk about the favoured sheep. The favoured sheep. We see those that hear his voice. Those who he knows in that special, saving way. And those who follow after him are those who truly are a favoured people. A really favoured people. Favoured sheep. But the text goes on into the next verse and it says those sheep, they will be given that gift of eternal life. And none, none shall be able to pluck them from the hands of the Saviour. We are well acquainted with the verse we not. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through the Lord Jesus, Lord, through Jesus Christ our Lord. What a gift. Eternal life. I will give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. When we look at the teachings of Jesus, we see how he so often said that those who followed after him will be those who would not perish. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 14. He says there, Even so it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. It's not the will that any, any should perish. But he also warned us that we are not to be fearful of those who could harm the body or even kill the body, but rather to fear and a right godly fear of him, a right godly fear of God, who is able to kill both body and soul in hell's fire. We read that in Matthew 10. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. Where he says there. And fear not them which kill the body. But are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. We must. To receive the eternal life he speaks of here. Have a right fear of God. And this comes with the hearing of the voice. Being known of the shepherd. And then following after him. There is a great gift to know the riches of eternal life. And how we see the fall of man and Adam. They lost that gift as it were. And death entered into the world. But Christ came. And restored all things. And the best news is that where Adam fell. There is no longer that possibility. The Saviour said none. And indeed none shall pluck his people from his grasp. Once in him. In him forever. Thus the eternal covenant stands. And yet this gift is already possessed by those who are his sheep. It is not there in the passage there. I will give them. It doesn't say that it's not. Matthew 20, verse 28 there. 
It says there, I give. That is a present, continuing sense. He gives, and he continues to give eternal life to the benefit of his sheep. He goes on to give the true assurance of this, in the fact that God the Father is greater than all. He says it in verse 29, My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. He says God the Father is greater than all. And as God the Father and God the Son are the same in all things, so the surety of the promise is in the eternal God. And as we think of these things this day, we may know the truth that we are indeed a favoured people. And as Paul says at the close of Romans chapter 8, that great passage, Romans chapter 8, he says there, he concludes that chapter about nothing. He says there, verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. None shall pluck them from my hands. As we fall about the sheep, so we come to think about the shepherd. As we come to the close, comes more to the end, we think about the shepherd. And firstly, we see, as we thought about the false sheep, we talk about the false shepherd. Because there is a false shepherd. We read in verses 12 and 13 in, in um, John 10. And it says there, But he that is in hiding, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, he seeth the wolf coming. And leave the sheep and flee. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he isn't hireling and careth not for the sheep. Here it talks about the hireling, one who is not the shepherd. And because he's not the shepherd, he has no real concern for the sheep. He has no love for the sheep. He has no desire for the sheep. They do not hear his voice, he does not know them. Neither do they, the real sheep, follow him. He does not promise eternal life, but he flees, and the sheep are scattered. If we turn back in the Old Testament, we turn to the, book, the books of Jeremiah and Ezekiel, we see how this is described of shepherds and pastors. Ezekiel chapter 34. Hebrews chapter 34 and verses 1 to 10, but we only read a few verses here. And the Lord, word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do, not feed, that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Ye eat the fat, and ye clothe you with the wool. Ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. The diseased have you not strengthened, neither have you healed them which was sick, neither have you bound up that which was broken, neither have you bought again that which was driven away, neither have you sought that which was lost, but with force and cruelty have you ruled them. And they were scattered because there was no there is no shepherd. And they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains, and upon every high hill, yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none did search or seek after them. Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of God. As I live, 
saith the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey, and my flock became meat to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, neither did my shepherds search for my flock, but shepherds fed themselves, and fed not my flock. Therefore, O ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord, behold, I am against the shepherds. There we see false shepherds do not. Those that scattered the sheep had no love for the sheep. Jeremiah too has very much the same sentiment as well. Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 8. And he says there, Jeremiah 2 verse 8. Not Jeremiah 2, I'm not uh, chapter 10, verse 21. There we are. Chapter 10, verse 21. He speaks about very much the same thing. For the pastors, or shepherds we did think about them for us, are become brutish, and have not sought the Lord, therefore they shall not prosper, and all their flocks shall be scattered. Because the noise of the brute is come, and a great commotion out of the north country, to make the cities of Judah desolate, and a den of dragons. And then chapter 12 and verse 10, in Jeremiah, where it again talks about pastors or shepherds. Many pastors have devoured my vineyard, they have trod my portion underfoot, they have made my pleasant portions a desolate wilderness. And then chapter 23, and verses 1 to 4, Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my flock, ye have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evils of your doings, saith the Lord. And I will gather, we'll come back perhaps later on about gathering the flock in, there we are. But that talks primarily about Israel, about God's flock as Israel. And that's promises and that's Things that deal with Israel, perhaps. Not perhaps, it's definitely with Israel. But it can be applied to the church as well. There are still those false prophets, those false shepherds, who come in and scatter the sheep. In his epistle, John wrote of the Antichrist. If we turn to John, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18. Where in 1 John chapter 2 he says, Little children, it is the last time. And ye have heard that Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. He speaks, there's not John, about those many Antichrists, those many false shepherds who come into the flock. There will always be those who seek to put themselves in the place of Christ. They have no concern at all, no concern at all for the flock. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we won't turn to it now, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we see there Paul gives an account of how the devil beguiled ill. And there will come one, does not. There will come that one who will be revealed. And he will seek to put himself in the place of Christ, the Antichrist. He will be the false shepherd. We see how the devil beguiled Eve, caused her to fall. So it is that one who has raised up the devil, he will be active to beguile and deceive the nations and the church. Revelation chapter 13 tells us a little bit. 
He's talking there, it's not about the Antichrist and the beast and such like. Come down to verse 7. It was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose name is not written in the book of the life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. And 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 again gives us some more. Information in that vein. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verses 3 to 11. It says there, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Oh, be not deceived. Be not deceived by the false shepherd. And last week you come to consider... Perhaps the title of our message really is the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is that good shepherd? That great shepherd of the sheep. And here we come to the heart of the subject. And we come to speak so much of our Saviour. He who is the faithful shepherd. For he is the faithful shepherd. He is the one who in John 10 there, he describes himself as the good shepherd. The word that is used here is the word kalos, which means beautiful. It means valuable. It means virtuous. And isn't the Lord Jesus Christ all of these? He is that altogether beautiful one that we read so much through the Song of Solomon when we're directed, when we're directed to him there in the Song of Solomon. He is the one of beauty. Beauty above all things. He is a valuable one. Solomon again speaks about it in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 15. That he is the one that exceeds the price of rubies. He really is. The beautiful one. He really is the valuable one. And reading through in, in Proverbs chapter 31, we read about the virtuous one too. In Proverbs 31, the verse 10, Solomon says there, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. And how our Lord Jesus Christ, He is that beautiful one. He is that valuable one. He is that virtuous one whose price is far above rubies. He is the good shepherd. We've mentioned before this evening, but how we see we're not even now. We're entering into Easter week, as it were. That time when people think about the Lord Jesus Christ and how he was crucified at Calvary. Oh, he came to this sin-stained world. We thought about that, have we not? He took upon himself human flesh. He lived that life a perfect obedience. But then he gave that life. He said in John 10, I let no man take it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. The good shepherd, he gives his life for the sheep. And how the Lord Jesus Christ, he came to this world with that one purpose in mind, to give his life for the sheep. 
And there we see upon Calvary's tree, do we not? He gave his life for the sheep. John 10, verses 10 and 11 says there, I am come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Those verses we've already spoken about, verse 15. As the Father knoweth me, even so I know, know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And the other sheep I have, which are not this fold, them also must I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I laid down my life, that I may take it again. And so we see, we not, we think about this week coming up, how he gave his life for the sheep. He died upon Calvary's tree. He died to save them from their sins. But he took it back again. That I might take it again. For he rose again, victorious of the grave. And throughout scripture, we're exalted to look unto him. And how we should be those that really do look unto him. Isaiah 45, that text that was so much used in the conversion of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Where it says there... In Isaiah 45 and verse 22. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none other. The writer of the Hebrews, Paul in writing to the Hebrews, he says in chapter 12, those first few verses in chapter 12, he says there, he again exalts us. Wherefore, Seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, and he's just gone through this in all of Hebrews 11, talking about great cloud of witnesses, those who have lived by faith, compassed about by them. He says there, last, last side every weight, and a sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the races set before us. And what do you say? Looking unto Jesus, the Alpha and finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God in heaven. That is our great shepherd. The great shepherd of the sheep. We turn to those passages, we've not, in Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And as we turn to those passages again in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, how we see those verses that we didn't read, that come after the passage we did read, they talk about Jesus and how he will shepherd his flock. Jeremiah chapter 23 and verses 5 to 8. And it says there, Behold, the days will come, saith the Lord, that I'll raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. How that talks about our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes again in power and in great glory. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely, and this is his name whereby we shall, shall be called, the Lord our righteousness. He came and died on Calvary's tree. He came to that perfect life that we may be clothed in his righteousness. He is the Lord our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, they shall be no more say, the Lord liveth, which brought up our children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But the Lord liveth, which brought up and which led the seed of the house of Israel out of the Lord's country. And from all countries, whither I have driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. How that speaks to this Jesus. As a shepherd of his sheep, bringing them from every country, the nation of Israel, the house of Israel, and dwelling in their own land, in the land that he gave them. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 34. 
through the passage very, very briefly. Starting really verse 11, but it goes on through the whole of the chapter. We don't read the whole portion, but really the whole rest of that chapter speaks about it not, how Jesus will come and bring his sheep back. For it says there, verse 11, For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. He is a shepherd that seeks his sheep out. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day, that he is among his among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them. Out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day, and I will bring them out from the people, and gather them from the countries, and will bring them to their own land, and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers, and all inhabited places of the country. How it speaks there how Jesus will go and search out as a shepherd, search out his sheep, and he will bring scattered Israel back to their land. I will feed my flock, says verse 15. And I will cause him to lie down, saith the Lord God. And it closes up, there's not. Thus shall they know, in verse 30, that I and the Lord their God am with them, and that they, even the house of Israel, are my people, saith the Lord God, and ye my flock, the flock of my pasture, are men, and I am your God, saith the Lord God. And how it sees there that Jesus will seek out his sheep and he will care for his flock. He will seek them out. At the end of John, in John chapter 21, we see there the risen Saviour and he comes and reveals himself. There in John chapter 21, the closing verses there, he reveals himself to his disciples. In John chapter 21, verses 15 down to verse 17, we read a little passage there. So when they had dined, they ate the fish that they had caught, or the fish that Jesus repaired. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. He said to him the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because of the way he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. And how we see there, we thought out the false pastors, did we not? The false shepherds. And how we see there, they're really the commission to each of those who are shepherds of the flock. How they are bidden to feed the sheep, feed the lambs of the Saviour, feed the flock. How is we those that encourage people, encourage Christians, be encouragers, exhorters, those who feed the flock of Christ, that they grow and grow in grace. Let's take that commission up. And he just be those that seek to try and feed the sheep of Christ. But he is the great shepherd. The great shepherd. We thought about him coming down to this earth and how he gave his life a ransom and how we see him coming to this earth and take on human flesh. He identified himself with his sheep. He became the Lamb of God 
the sacrificial lamb of God who gave his life as a sacrifice for our sins on Calvary's tree. And how will then be those that seek to love him and walk in his ways? Just as we come to a close, I'd like to turn us back to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, that lovely chapter of Isaiah, where it starts off, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. And we come down, do we not, to verse 11. And there we see in verse 9, rather, verse 9 down to 11, O Zion, that bringeth forth good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringeth good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength, lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. And there in verse 11, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that live young. Oh, how gentle the Saviour is. He's coming again. Coming again in power and glory. That's what the verse says now. Behold your God. Behold your God as he come. For the Lord God, he will come. He'll come with a strong hand, yes. But he'll come with that gentle arm too. That will take his flock into his arms. And carry them in his bosom. Oh, how truly. As we read through the scriptures. How we see that Jesus is known as the great shepherd. He is the good shepherd. He is the one who cares for his sheep. He is the one who feeds his sheep day by day. He is the one that lifts us up and carries us in his bosom. And so we can say with John 10 that he is one that truly knows. For he says there, my sheep, they hear my voice. What a blessing it is when he can say, and I know them. But a responsibility is that we have to follow. And they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never, never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hands. Oh, I pray each of us this night. Maybe those that know we are amongst that flock. That blessed, that blessed flock of the Saviour. And we can say with the psalmist... The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. And we can read that well-known psalm, can we not? Read those verses there. And how we see the blessedness of being a, she- a sheep in the flock of the shepherd. But there it comes down to verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Yes, our life on this earth. We can truly say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Then it comes to the end, is it not? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Ah, oh, to know the truth. That Jesus Christ, the great shepherd that is pointed to us in John chapter 10, is the Lord is my shepherd. And then we can say truly from our hearts, can we not? I shall not want. We have no want. If we are his sheep and walking in his ways. Amen.